Cookie Lab. Hi, and welcome to Cookie Lab. I'm Jill. And I'm Chris. And welcome also to December, Jill. Happy December. And what says December more than a cookie and a story? It's definitely a cookie kind of month. It is, yes. And so what cookie did you bring us this month? Well, uh, the holidays are basically upon us, right? We're past Thanksgiving. We're heading into the December days of Holly. And the shortest days. We are basically in the holiday season. I have not yet felt festive in any way. Interestingly, my youngest son called me today and said that this evening he was on his way to his departmental holiday party. So the holiday parties have started. Uh, first one, of, uh, and it's early, early December. Yeah, and, and I'm just not there yet. However, what I did this morning helped, which was that I made a huge, or just a regular sized, but it yields a ton of cookies, batch of my mom's gingerbread cookies. Classic gingerbread cookies. Shout Joyce's out to Joyce. gingerbread cookies. Yes. And gluten-free, though. I made them gluten-free, and I didn't know how it was going to go, because this recipe calls for five cups of flour. Count them. And uh, when I put in the relatively meager amount of spices, I mean, I think there's a tablespoon of ginger, but then just like a little bit of cloves and cinnamon, the flour just still looked kind of white to me. And I thought, I mean, that's nothing to do with the gluten-free part of it, you know? Right. But I just was like, I wonder how this is going to go. And in fact, I I tasted the results. I think they're great. Fantastic. And I hope you will too. And of course, I have a lot to say about gingerbread. Yeah, I imagine that gingerbread came around the time of all those holiday stories. So, you mean like Santa yeah. or Jesus? Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> not not back to biblical times. I would imagine, though, that it came... Maybe Krampus? <laughs> I'll tell you what I know, okay? Obviously, it's a very popular holiday treat nowadays. People make the gingerbread houses. Sure. Usually, they make uh, gingerbread men is a classic shape. Yeah, the gingerbread For you, I have made gingerbread... Li- well, gingerbread people in a dress. Okay. And um, like I said, this this recipe yielded a ton of cookies i also socked away two dozen gingerbread snowmen for a cookie swap i have coming up on sunday oh my gosh so many yeah and like an extra dozen for a friend and my family gets all the broken ones so ginger was cultivated in china many thousands of years it's in a lot of chinese food yeah migrated over to europe in via the silk road okay and then what happened was that people were using it as a preservative, a medicine? medicinal for yeah. your tummy, which yeah. my daughter Summer still loves her gingins for tummy stuff. But they were using it in preserved meats. Like this is think really? like King Henry the sure. King Henry the Eighth was using it medicinally. So originally, gingerbread meant preserved ginger. There wasn't bread involved fascinating what what time period was this prior to the 15th century because that's when gingerbread started meaning what kind of what we think it is today so in the 1400s yeah christopher columbus time i suppose maybe he had some preserved ginger on the nina the pinta or the santa maria quite possible okay 
I'm getting a picture. But he didn't have any gingerbread. Maybe some hardtack. I know you always like to find the first recipe. The first known recipe for gingerbread came from Greece in 2400 BC. So way before Jesus. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait. The Chinese recipes were developed during the 10th century. And by the late Middle Ages, Europeans had their own version of gingerbread. May I ask you a question? Yeah. Are we talking about the preserved ginger or an actual baked good at this point? In the 2000s. There is a person called Rhonda Massingham Hart who wrote a book called Making Gingerbread Houses. And she says the first known recipe for gingerbread came from Greece in 2400 BC. So we're talking real gingerbread. There was an Armenian monk. Of course. Yes. Gregory of Nicopolis. Mm -hmm. Sounds Greek. Yeah, he does sound Greek, but it says Armenian. Like the original gingerbread recipe right so it is claimed that he brought the gingerbread to europe in 992 a.d okay you know where he lived armenia bondaroy france okay near the town of pfizer <laughs> near the town of P-I-T-H-I-V-I-E-R-S. Fantastic. (laughs) Everybody over there in Europe was really liking to eat this at the fairs and festivals. Oh, yeah. And sometimes sometimes the cookies were called fairings. The more, you know, fabulous decorations that you use, the more statusy you were. And, you know, even today we have like houses that have... fancy detailings on the trim and they're called gingerbread right Mm -hmm. that's kind of where it comes from these oh yeah old fancy cookies yeah yeah you know what i saw was that it became very popular in germany yes and that at some point there was a gingerbread guild that controlled the production of gingerbread oh my gosh those germans you will not (laughs) make the gingerbread with the fancy scallops (laughs) they have the 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 beer purity law they must have a gingerbread purity law too right so the french of course made gingerbread a bit better i don't associate it with the french at all though no because the germans soon took it over they really took and it the over swiss and swiss nuns served it as a digestive mm-hmm. yeah and i mean if you go to all these countries like they have swedish ginger thins yeah like it's it's definitely popular in many places yeah and queen elizabeth she um had her cooks mold the pa- the the dough into shapes of her vip guests yeah she is the first the og gingerbread person and also because some of these were made like in molds we and they they lasted like wooden so they made fancy molds yeah fancy molds carved out of wood recreate the cookie one cookie after another after another after another yeah they look like those heavy heavy cast iron tins that you bake like a cornbread. Yes, like I have in. a cornbread one that is shaped like ears of corn. Like corn. Yeah. yeah. So there's a museum in England called the Horsham Museum, and they have a 19th century gingerbread mold on display featuring a chicken wearing trousers. Awesome. <laughs> Which I thought you might like because we both are chicken yeah, keepers. You, could, you can make these into anything that you wanted. In theory, but I think it's... You know, most popular nowadays to make them in the shapes of people and houses. And you know, there's the run, run, fast as you can. You can't catch me. I'm the gingerbread yeah, man. That That's was a, a classic book. story. Yeah. As well as, you know, many fairy tales involving gingerbread. 
They were made for Scottish Parliament in a secret back room. Oh my gosh, yeah. the smoky back room. So part of the German law is that only people who had their own smokes could sell the gingerbread, and smoke means oven. Oh yeah, and and you know some of the first recipes for gingerbread were kind of vague, and one of the things that was vague in them was the temperature of the oven because you would just Are throw you a bunch of wood in the oven. Me? No, a bunch of wood in the oven in in a fireplace like so the reason why i am reacting this way and then you take the wood out and then you bake the gingerbread until it looks done so it's as i mentioned it's my mom's recipe that i use and i had a chuckle when i went to use it today because it said to bake the cookies in a moderate 375 degree oven and i just thought the word moderate was hilarious but maybe it makes sense maybe my mom's german heritage is coming through in the gingerbread yeah. cookie re- recipe in case she wanted to go and bake it on a hearthstone oven <laughs> wood she, fired yeah yeah at the local pizza place in new jersey yeah <laughs> oh my goodness not the hot 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 pizza oven all right. There's so, even you can find a uh, a recipe from Charles Dickens's family in a book that was published called Dining with Dickens. Dining with Dickens. They have a gingerbread recipe in there. That's fantastic. So we've got the Washingtons. We've got yeah. Queen Elizabeth. Yeah, I believe you invoked Christopher Columbus at one point. Yeah, that was just that might have been a red that herring. That was just nonsense. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I was a ma- I was saying that it was in the 1400s. You know, so yes, no, I know, Cri- I know. I'm teasing. Cristobal you. might have had some. <laughs> Anyway, we have some here today. We do. That's the important part here, ladies and gentlemen. I will say when I prepared it, I could tell right away. I tasted the dough, even though I was worried about the flavor. I tasted the dough before baking it. The flavor was excellent. There's a ton of molasses in it that might just overpower the five cups of flour. And there's another secret ingredient (gasps) in there. Is it unique to your mother's ingredient? I don't know how, how, how how other people do it, but my mom's calls for cremora, which is like non-dairy creamer powder it's a powder yeah and they didn't have cremora at my store today or yet whenever i bought it so it was i got coffee mate i'm assuming it's the same okay and i actually have a little history of non-dairy creamer for you that i think you're gonna like all right okay whip it out for me okay so holton rex diamond (laughs) an employee of rich products Performed experiments from 1943 to 1945 with using a gelatinous form of soybean protein In to make Buffalo, a soy cream. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you already know about Rex Diamond? Oh, he's, he's Rex Diamond Local has his hero. own box in Rich Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, anyway, but his experiments, which would... He was, he was trying to make a soy cream that would not form curds when mixed with coffee... Um, are the first English language reference to non-dairy creamer. I did not know that. <laughs> and um, Go Rex Diamond. Yeah. And then another guy there at the same company, Frank S. Mitchell, developed a non-dairy whipped topping in 1946. These things became commercially available in the 1950s, which kind of makes sense. It's kind of like post-World War II, cool kind of pre-space age, like Tang type stuff, right? Yeah. Sometimes these products include sodium caseinate, which is a milk protein derived from casein. That makes sense. And so that sometimes makes vegans or strict, like observant kosher Jewish people not not want to use it. Yeah. Sure. Um, But we we used it in the gingerbread cookies. 
And I thought you would get a kick out of that. You know, I imagine, interestingly, that it is much like milk powder. I don't know what the difference is. No. But as with many other powders, Chris, large amounts of powdered non-dairy creamer are susceptible to dust explosion when suspended in air. <laughs> I, I Like it, at the factory. Amateur filmmakers and pyrotechnicians have taken advantage of this property to produce several types of fireball effects. Yeah. Don't worry, listeners, because individuals using powdered non-dairy creamer in the ordinary amounts used in a cup of coffee do not face a risk of dust explosion. (laughs) (laughs) I hope our gingerbreads do not explode. Yeah. Do not get any of the crumbs flying around in the air because it could cause a dust explosion. All right. No, I assure you, it is, oh, this gingerbread is perfectly gingerbread safe lady. to me- make oh, and eat. Oh, don't eat me. <laughs> oh, don't bite off. Oh! I like to go for the hands first. <laughs> oh, is that what you did? I bit off the arm. Oh! Mm. The flavor is correct. Yeah. I taste the molasses. Now I taste the ginger. The ginger lingers on the tongue. It is very pleasant. A little crispy on the outside, mm-hmm. chewy on the inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, remarkably oh, easily. So satisfying. Configured with the with the gluten free. You make it. Oh, do you refrigerate it? Yes. The recipe says to refrigerate it for three hours. But as we now know, I almost always bake on a different day than I've made dough. So this mm-hmm. was refrigerated overnight. Mm. And then you roll it out. Mm-hmm. Got to roll it out, kind of thin. It spreads more. Does it puff? The thicker it puffs a tiny bit. It doesn't have any baking powder in it. It has baking soda and vinegar in it. That'll work. Yeah. When I made I made a bunch that were super thin and they didn't spread at all. The the bigger ones you'll see some of the cookies that I gave you, the ladies' dresses are, are rather voluminous. I think the thicker you make it, the crinoline. more it will spread for some reason. Sure. And you used M M&M and M buttons. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Love it. I'm glad you like it. I'll have to have my mom call in over the holidays so we can tell her about our success. My success. Did you know that there is such a thing as structural gingerbread? Structural gingerbread? You mean what you would use to make a gingerbread house? It's different. It's different. It's going to be, yeah, Yeah. that that makes sense. Not as much sugar. Wouldn't be so yummy necessarily to eat the gingerbread house, although tell that to any dog I've ever had. (laughs) They always get up on the table and eat the roof off the gingerbread house. They like dog biscuits. Yeah, yeah. Maybe structural gingerbread. So speaking of that, you know, gingerbread houses are, of course, a huge fun thing for everyone to do. And according to our friends at the History Kitchen, the new winning world's largest gingerbread house was erected at Traditions Golf Club in Bryan, Texas. Make it everything bigger down in Texas. It required a building permit. Ah! Ah! It was built much like a traditional house. Um a recipe for a house that size included 1,800 pounds of butter and 1,080 ounces of ground ginger. Wow. That isn't even anything I can wrap my brain around. I would need to hear that in Rhode Island or Volkswagen or football field units to understand it. Yeah. Yeah. Or how many cups. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Interesting. I wonder if they were allowed to use two by fours and traditional building materials as well. As... Like as scaffolding? Yeah. Or, or, yeah. I'll have to look into that. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I, you I, get back to us on that. Yeah. Well, I feel like because of the amount of variety, like I might want to come back with the German Liebuchen heart shaped oh. romantic okay. gingerbread. Well, we or can... there's also the, the glazed gingerbread. The German, the Germans have. Germany alone has multiple gingerbreads. We've done, and there's probably Swiss recipes. 
cookies and and the and, Swedish thins I mentioned. You and, know, we we did a lot of chocolate chip cookies. Maybe December is the month of gingerbread. Sure, let's find out. Okay, stay tuned. Stay tuned. Listeners. I have a ton of science. I'm okay, gonna, but I'm going to share it all at this episode. Now, I'm not going to save it for future ginger episodes. Okay, are you ready to start? I am. Hit me with the science, Chris. First of all, the compound which is largely responsible for providing ginger flavor, I have identified it. In your laboratory? It is zingaberine. Sounds German. It is a sesquiterpene found in the dried rhizomes of Indonesian ginger. Come We didn't even know how fabulous this was going to get. Go ahead. Right. So most of the uh, ginger that we eat is grown in Indonesia. I had no idea. Um, it has rhizomes, which are parts of the plant that are like roots. But not. But not. They eat nitrogen. They eat it or it. they like absorb oh, it? They absorb it. Yeah. 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 And they fix it. They fix it. They're nitrogen-fixing organisms. Yes. And so sesquiterpenes are a class of terpene, which we've talked about before, that consist of three isoprene units and often have the molecular formula C15H24. I hope you guys are appreciating how much fun Chris science teacher Chris is having (laughs) geeking out with this terminology. You can think of it as a whole bunch of rings together. Oh, Okay. Often ringed molecules are aromatic. Okay. And terpenes are no less aromatic. For sure. Uh, and uh, they the they're produced primarily by plants. And we've talked about this. The scent of pine is caused by terpenes. Which is my car is full of it. Oh, because for wreath I, yes, season? Yes, I, I transported all yeah. the Boy Scout fundraiser wreaths in my car. But it's not all strong, very enjoyable smelling things. Lavender. Okay. And as well as fresh orange peel. Those are all really strong, I, unique. Identifiable, yeah. right? The fragrance of most plants is due to a combination of terpenes. In nature... These terpenes protect the plants from animal grazing or infectious germs. They also help some plants recover from damage. So the humans are very interested in the power of terpenes. Every terpene has a story. (laughs) As we've talked about before, which I keep saying, there's much more research to be done on this as a medicinal uh, oh we're uh, not making any medicinal for, claims for here properties no well, no we're not but but scientists are very interested in the potential and a so lot even of though people these things have been around since since the precambrian era okay maybe not that because i don't know if we had plants then but it's just ferns like, yeah yeah it's like we're still uncovering yes more and a lot of people are making claims that you want the terpenes, especially in the cannabis industry. But jury's out. Still, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we need to see some peer-reviewed. However, evidence. molasses. Mm-hmm. Yamo. Yeah, have uh, we talked about molasses? It's part of the sugar. Yeah. So cycle. Sugar cane or sugar beets are crushed down, boiled, and reduced to make sweet syrup. Mm-hmm. That's molasses, period. 
That's that's what it is. The first boil produces light molasses. Each further boil deepens the color and reduces the sugar content. And talk about the dust explosion. I mean, the Boston molasses explosion is hot molasses everywhere. One of the most fascinating industrial disasters in our nation's history. I'm not sure, but that might have been the third boiling of molasses called Blackstrap mm. molasses, mm-hmm. which uh, yeah, you see that in the grocery store. It doesn't it doesn't have the flavor? No, uh, the sweet flavor. Mm-hmm. It has a smokier, stronger, mm-hmm. more acidic flavor. And sometimes molasses, you'll see sulfured molasses. Oh yeah, and that is to increase its shelf life. So, however, you would think that all was well in the gingerbread world until. 2002. What happened then? The Swiss Federal Institute of Technology. No less of an authority than the SFIT. (laughs) Swiss. Identified some foods that when cooked contained acryl amide, which is a very strong carcinogen. Uh Uh-oh. In 2023, they called for further research into the Processing conditions of gingerbread. Dun, dun, dun. Maybe the Germans were right all along. Why? With their strict club. Yeah. Well, in Europe, it seems the culprit is the traditional leavening agent. They don't use our familiar baking soda or baking powder. What do they use? They use ammonium bicarbonate. Um, so is ours sodium bicarbonate? Yes. And there's this ammonium bicarbonate. Yes. And maybe it's not good for you? Well, it's it is a it is especially suited for making thin dry cookies mm-hmm. because when it's heated, it releases the ammonia and carbon dioxide gas which makes things a little puffy. Mhm. But it doesn't release any water, so you don't get any water bubbles. So the cookies cook and dry out faster. Where is there no water at all? It just evaporates. I thought you said it doesn't release it. It doesn't. It doesn't hold it. It just like bakes out. Yeah. So um, they dry out faster, and the pungent ammonia gets completely baked out. And the problem is that the ammonia that is released during baking reacts with glucose and fructose in the dough to form unusual molecules that in turn react very efficiently to form acryl amides. Again, I'm going to need to see the peer-reviewed research in the journal, well, the Gingerbread is, Journal, because... This is this has been peer-reviewed and <sighs> is very accepted. Bummer. Yeah, yeah. 2002 oh. is 21 years ago. No, this was uh, in 2023, this year. They oh. called for further research into the processing of gingerbread. Oh, what, what did you say about 2002, or did I just... In 2002, the Swiss Federal Institute of Technology identified some foods that, when cooked, contained okay. this. Okay. And in 20 years later, 21 years later, they got around to the gingerbread. So it's an Man. easy fix. Just don't use the ammonium bicarbonate. But I'm sure that's essential to their process and their texture. Yeah, it and makes their... theirs a little crispier. 
And remember you talked about the German. Yeah. No, crisps. the Swedish, the Anna's ginger thins. You know, you can get them in the store here. Yeah. You should check and they're see if they're thin. made by with ammonium bicarbonate. All right. So as usual, I have uncovered more questions than answers. And I'm going to have to go back to the lab and make ginger snaps and ginger thins. And it's the month of ginger. Go ginger. Keep your paws off my ginger. I will, unless you put it in the form of a cookie. Okay, fair enough. All right. We'll be back next week with more cookie history and science and eating. Holiday fun times, whether you like it or not, or whether I like it or not. Bye, Jill. Bye, Chris. It's Cookie Lab.